Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz, and Tuesday is a big day for the Seahawks because rookies are reporting to the VMAC. It's going to be the first time that they actually have an opportunity to be on site because they've been doing virtual meetings all offseason through minicamp. And there's also some other big news as we're going into what would generally be the preseason. And here to talk about it is Nathan Santo from the Seahawks Nest Podcast. Nathan, appreciate you coming back on the show. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate being here. I'm very excited to talk about the the first day rookies are gonna are gonna be there. It's gonna be so exciting for them <laughs> they're, they're, because they're gonna have to just go through the process of of what it's like to be COVID tested. Right? Have you have you taken a COVID test? No, I haven't. Have All you? Right, I I have. Do you have experience? My, yeah, my wife got a C section and they made us take it for the to be in the surgical room. Yes. Uh, so I uh, I got so basically um, just imagine like I don't know someone stuck a lit match up your nose. <laughs> It's not like the worst feeling in the world, but it's not pleasant. Yeah. Um, and they're going to have to do this every day for the first 14 days of, of training camp. Now I have a question. Is it is it the nose test every time? Because I know there's a simpler swab test that you can do once you've tested uh, negative that they they f- like all the like the UFC does uh, like a mouth swab. If, you, if oh. you're testing negative, uh, the NBA bubble does a mouth swab once you've tested negative uh, enough times. Do you, is the NFL doing that or is it going to be no swab every time? Cause that's, it didn't get into that level of granularity within the, the articles that I read, but that sounds like it, it makes sense to take the, the hardcore one and then, you know, take one scale that's maybe, it back. Yeah. That NBA bubble thing is interesting. And I, I've been like watching it pretty closely. Cause I want to see, you know, like what, how is a, a major company like really handling this and Matisse Thibel from the university of Washington, but for 76 ers now has made these like really great YouTube videos, like kind of documenting his, his, uh, life in the bubble. And so I've really enjoyed that. And I'm, I'm, I'm curious what the NFL's process will be, how it will be similar and, uh, and different to, to that. Well, we aren't going to have the bubble for the NFL, but I do want to get into the, the, there were some discussions with one of the Vikings coaching staff and they put out some details so we can talk about that. But I think the biggest news to talk about uh, straight off is it sounds like the NFL is offering to go ahead and scrap all the preseason games. You know, they came out earlier on and said, well, we, we need to do two, which kind of made sense to me because you think, OK, you want to get an idea for what it's like for players at the home field. And then you want to get an idea of what it's like to travel. And so two preseason games gives you that opportunity before going into the regular season. But a lot of players pushed back on that. They said, we don't need any preseason. Then the NFL early on Monday, they said, well, let's just do one preseason game. And then by the end of the day, they're saying no preseason games. I think the players kind of set a hard line here because they they the players based everything that they asked for on a neutral or what a neutral arbitrator said. So they the NFL and the NFLPA agreed on this like neutral party to kind of come up with the plan. And then the NFLPA was like, all right, this is what we're doing then. And the NFL is like, well, we want to do this. And they're like, no, 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 no. The, the person we agreed would just kind of help us decide this said we should do this, the neutral person. So I think that the NFL didn't really have a good leg to stand on there in kind of demanding uh, preseason games. And another thing is, I don't know what you can accomplish in a preseason game that you can't accomplish uh, in an inter-squad practice other than put it on television to try to make a little bit of money. So for... For me, I just I don't I don't see why they really need it either. The only thing that I was thinking of is, you know, and and you brought it up a little bit with the television side, but just the dress rehearsal aspect of things. And that's why I thought, you know, with the one preseason game, they'd get an idea of 
what it's going to be like for the announcers preparing for the game, what it's going to be like for camera crews being on the field with photographers being on the field, other, you know, all the other field crew that go a part of it and trying to work out any issues that may come up through that process. And I guess, you know, none of that stuff isn't things that you could do anyway, just as a, as a dry run. And, you know, you could even put on TV and inter-squad scrimmage and, and do all those types of things. So I suppose you can do all that without having to make a team travel. Right. Or, or like, you know, you just travel to the team you're closest to. So if for the Seahawks, I don't know who the closest team would be San Fran. to San Francisco, Probably. but we do like an inter-squad practice with San Francisco. Uh, maybe they wouldn't want to do that because divisional, you know, but, but, or maybe it's Denver Broncos, right? We do an inter-squad practice with Denver Broncos sure. and then, and we, we practice against them and do some stuff and then we leave and that would accomplish, you know, cause I think you want to see your guy, your guy, your bubble guys play against, you know, not your own guys, right? You want to see your bubble guys, see how they perform in a situation where you put them on the spot a little bit, because I think, you know, you hear about these guys who are so good in practice and they just never show it on the field. And, uh, those, those preseason or inner squad practices are a good opportunity to kind of suss out where those guys stand on your roster. I do feel like that's the one thing that's going to be missed through all this is those players at the, the low end of the roster competing for spots. It sounds like they are going to increase the practice squad up to 16 players. So that does maybe account for some of those guys because it really, when it comes down to it, when, with the 53 man roster, I think the coaches have pretty, a pretty good idea of who they want and who they don't. And for a lot of these times, you know, as a, as a guy who has a case in Williams Jersey, uh, the preseason really doesn't matter as, as to who makes the final 53. No. And I have another question. Did, did they say anything about game day inactives too? I know they were like thinking about not, because that was one thing that drives me nuts too, is that the, you know, it's a 53 man roster, but you have to say seven guys who aren't going to play. Right. That's so weird to me. Yeah, that's always been weird. And I do hopefully, I, I, I'm hopeful that they lift that as well, but that's, you know, that these are all, we're getting kind of the reports of the things that they're discussing. And none of this has been really solidified for sure. I think because the NFL now has proposed the zero preseason games and the NFLPA has said all along that they don't want any preseason games. Like that's the one thing that I feel like we can be sure about now. And that they're going to get tested a lot. Right. Uh, first two weeks, every day, the first two, the first two days, they just show up, get a COVID test and leave, which I think is a pretty, uh, I mean, they're erring on the side of caution, which is a smart thing to do if we want to see football this year. Yeah. Right. Because uh, uh, if a team, if the, you know, 25% of all the players all of a sudden have COVID, they're just going to stop playing games. And that's not what I think any of us want to see from an entertainment standpoint. We're all stuck inside more than we would like. It's going to be, it's going to be nice. Sports basically comes back this Thursday, right? With baseball on Thursday and then basketball on Friday. I think people are really pumping up for, for it to come back and football would be a good you know continuation of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a big week. All this, all this stuff happening. And I do wonder, though, you know, we, we've talked about the things that we're going to miss without having preseason games. But, you know, what what do the players get out of this? I mean, one thing I think that the players that don't end up not making the team or they end up right on the roster bubble. I mean, this is their chance to kind of show, you know, they, they see themselves in an NFL uniform on the on the big stage. Right. There's tons of guys who will make it to the preseason level, but never play one single snap in the NFL, right. On a regular season game. And, uh, I do feel a little bad for those guys, right. Cause they could always, you know, 
maybe they keep their helmet or their jersey or whatever, and then they can say, yeah, I have this preseason tape from Oakland Raiders week three Seahawks, right? I have it right here. And they could show they could show it to their kids or whatever. You know, it's like, that's cool. That's a cool experience that it's like getting drafted, right? Like the undrafted free agent, the person who got drafted always will have something that that person did it, right? Like an experience. And I think um, that experience will be lost. And there's something there. But in terms of us as fans, I think less is lost because I don't know anyone who gets like super amped up about preseason football. I don't know, Nathan. I, I've had <laughs> now, now that preseason's going away, like, just when I brought up the idea that it was going to go down from four to two, there are a lot of people that were coming out saying, you know what? I really like preseason. And I thought this is new to me. <laughs> I mean, I put the game on and I watched the whole game. But yeah. I, it's like not important to me like a regular season game yeah, is. It doesn't that, because it doesn't count for anything. It doesn't mean anything. It's just fun. Like I'll, I'll, I have fun like trying to figure out like what fun tweets I'm going to send out during the game or whatever. But I don't I don't have to. There's no pressure or anything like I, I'm not I don't feel tension. There's like a tension in my body when I'm watching a regular season Seahawks game or, a, or especially a playoff game. Right. Just like the stress levels rising. And I, uh, especially because the way Pete Carroll coaches every game's like within seven points. <laughs> so, right. so I'm like I'm like freaking out the whole time. Right. I'm getting stressed. And uh, the preseason, I'm just like, whatever, whatever happens, happens. <laughs> you know, it's a like, chance for is, zero stress games. Just, this yeah. is fun. This is fun. But it's not like it's not the same. It's just not the same. And I, I, I don't, I don't feel like I'm going to like, going to crush my hopes and dreams or anything. It's just, it's a drop in the bucket. Well, that joint committee that you were talking about earlier, it, it looks like they're recommending three weeks of strength and conditioning, 10 days of non-padded practice and 10 days of padded practice over the final two weeks. And so by not having those preseason games, that's going to allow all of the teams to have a, a very uniform uh, schedule going into the regular season. It sounds like they have a good plan, right? Which is what you really want. You don't want to. And the thing is, is it seemed like up until this week, they didn't really have a plan, which blows my mind because you got to watch, you got to watch baseball blow it completely, right? Uh-huh. They Baseball had a chance to own the Amer- own America for, for three months. They could have been the only thing that we were watching and they just kind of threw that all away. And they're going to go now go head to head with basketball, which is not a great plan. I don't feel like, and then, and then, the NFL watches this and they say, okay, we got, we should, have, they should have a great plan, right? We should have a perfect plan to make sure that our players are safe, that everyone feels good about it, that everyone's ready to come back. And it just seems like everything's coming together at the last minute. Well, and we just saw on Sunday, it was a lot of the players, not just Seahawks players that were voicing their concerns. So Nathan, let's take a quick break. We'll come back after the break. I want to talk about those players that were expressing their concerns and also talk about uh, some of these other things that we might see as part of uh, of ways that the NFL is going to mitigate potential issues throughout the preseason. We'll talk about all that coming up next. Talking to Nathan Santo of the Seahawks Nest podcast, talking about the preseason and how that's going to look. And it was just as early as Sunday, Nathan, that there was Russell Wilson talking about how he had concerns with with Sierra being pregnant and training camp about to start. You had Bruce Irvin uh, saying, you know, that it, he wants to play football, but he also wants a safe environment. So DK Metcalf, Dwayne Brown, Tyler Lockett, all those guys. And I think about Tyler Lockett and, you know, some of the health issues that he had concerns with even coming out of the draft. Them saying that there were concerns about him being able to play at the NFL level. He talks about how he has 
uh, a, a family member who contracted the virus and it was incredibly serious. So he has concerns and it does feel like two days later, maybe the NFL responded and, and they're starting to come together with the, you know, especially addressing the preseason issue. And uh, I'm sure there's some other issues too, that they're going to have to work out. Yeah. I feel like the players knew that, that we all, the fans would side with them, right? If they make this like a, Hey, we want to play, but you guys need to make sure we we're safe. Right. And then if they kind of got the NFL to be like, okay, we'll, we'll put these safety measures in place. Cause I don't know what the NFL's plan was like before, but obviously it wasn't satisfactory to most of the players because they, so many, you're right. So many players coming out with these tweets. And if you're a player who like, you know, uses an inhaler or whatever, like you want to make sure that this, they have a good plan to, to identify the, the spread of the virus or however it ends up, you know, throughout the league. And I don't want guys to, you know, a bunch of guys to get, and like one team to just get wiped out by COVID or whatever, that would be, that'd be horrible. So, you know, like the NBA had zero positive tests today. They tested three, 346 players today. They had zero positive tests. You can do it, right? You just have to put good safety protocols into place. And so, you know, they won't have the bubble, but hopefully they can get something similar going for the individual teams, right? Where they're there was an article by Courtney Cronin on ESPN and talking to Eric Sugarman, who's the Vikings head athletic trainer, and, and was talking about all these different tiers uh, with players, football representatives like the general manager. They're in their own tier. And then there's another tier of like the cleaning service, the in-house media people, the broadcast personnel, and how they're going to, you know, tier one and tier two can interact with one another, but tier three so none of the in-house media people are going to be able to talk to players. It's it's all for these safety precautions. And one of the interesting things that uh, I, I read in the article was how they're going to have this um, contact tracing within the different teams. And they're going to be wearing bracelets, essentially, that anytime they get within six feet of people that your buzzer will go off uh, with with these devices that they're wearing and maybe even like a 10 foot radius on, on some of them that give you kind of a, a light buzz to let you know that you're getting close to somebody. So it's pretty crazy. The, the level of precautions that, and maybe not crazy, but it's, uh, it's extraordinary. The precautions that it sounds like that they're planning on taking once they get into these facilities. With the, the contact tracing, you know, you have to really keep track because what you don't want to happen is, you know, a but like it start to just spread out of control, right? Like one guy gets it and then he's been in contact with 10 people and then you don't want those 10 people to be able to spread it to other people, right? So you want to get them maybe to stay home for a couple of days or, or maybe pass one positive test or pass one test as negative, uh, the positive result of a negative test. <laughs> uh, you want to get the negative test so that, that makes you make sure that, you know, those people that they came in contact with are still good. And yeah, there's so much to think about when you're really putting this all together. And there's a lot of people that run these football teams, you know, it's not just the 52 guys in the field and the, you know, 20 or so coaches, right. There's so many people involved in running a football team. Like when you compare it to other sports that that's the big challenge. I think that these teams are going to have to face right. is that this, is the raw number of people involved in running a football franchise, because the team is five times bigger than, than most other sports. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a huge, it's a huge task, but it sounds like they've, they're up to it. They finally got their plan in place and we're going to, we're going to get football and, you know, maybe we won't be able to be in the stands for it, but we'll at least get to, to watch it, which will be very awesome. 
I know a lot of people were excited after hearing some of this news. I, I'm not doing my touchdown dance yet until probably until week one to kick off. Once it once it actually kicks off, then I'm going to say, OK, football's here. Right. Well, because they said, like, if over five percent of people are testing positive, they're going to they're going to have to reassess if they can stay open. Right. Was that that the threshold? Yeah, so there, there, there was kind of a, a graduated threshold. So the two weeks we talked about how them, how they'd be testing every day for two weeks, and if the positive test rate comes in below five percent, then they're going to scale back the testing to every other day, and then as long as that positive test rate stays below that, uh, then they don't have to do the daily testing. But if it goes above five percent, then they have to go back to toward that daily testing. It's just going to be a weird year. I'm already, I'm already ready for it. You know, it's just going to be, it's going to be different than any other NFL season. There's going to be week to week. You're just going to never know. Like some guy might get some player, important player might get the virus and just have to sit out for two weeks. And we're just going to have to deal with that. And it's going to happen to every team. It's not going to be viruses aren't selective. You know, they just just spread. That's how they work. You know, talk about it being a weird year. It, It could be weird in terms of, uh, if players have the ability to, to opt out of the season altogether, because w- some of these initial plans that have come out, they're saying that players have until August 1st to decide to opt out. And if they decide to opt out for the entire season, that's it's permanent. Like once they opt out, then there's no halfway through the season that you can't say. And again, that's, they may ultimately decide on something that's where they do have the ability to come back mid season. But the initial plans is that it's kind of an all or nothing deal. And that could make for an interesting season, depending on, gosh, you think about some of these guys who, who may just decide to, that they want to opt out of the season altogether. And that could make for a wild season for some teams. I mean, one player retired t- today because uh, <laughs> they didn't want to deal with it, you know? So. Yeah. Antonio Brown, the the Seahawks legend of the off season. So many, I, if I could count all of the touchdown passes that I saw between Russell Wilson and Antonio Brown this offseason. Well, on, um, Insta- on Instagram, uh, on Russell's <laughs> Instagram stories. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's hanging out with Geno Smith. At, I uh, probably at, watched that a hundred times. So he has at least a hundred touchdown catches from, from Russell this offseason. So he's he's the GOAT, man. What can I say? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, just, I mean, I don't I don't blame anyone who who would rather stay home they're millionaires and they have the means to to do that to make that choice and um it's it, i i feel worse for people that like you know have to choose that are like you know oh, i i need to work because i need the money these guys right. don't like they actually have a choice it would suck you know it'd suck if uh, seahawks players uh, weren't able to play because they didn't feel comfortable with the with the way that the nfl is doing it well, the other thing we the other thing that we have to watch is the rookies under contract because there's only two of the Seahawks rookies that have signed yet and I felt like on Monday watching the newswire it was all these other teams you see a lot of first round picks signing with the various teams but Freddie Swain, the 6th round pick and Colby Parkinson, the tight end who had the foot injury and you know he may not be ready for the start of the season anyway. Uh, are the only two draft picks for the Seahawks under contract right now? What do you think's the holdup there, though? Aren't these aren't the contracts pretty regimented? Like how much they can offer them, and the the structure doesn't have a whole lot of wiggle room, right? I don't know why necessarily it would be a holdup. I know that now they're going to be able to come in and get physicals and and that sort of thing this week. So maybe they're just waiting on that. But for the rookies, if you haven't signed a contract yet, 
and say you aren't comfortable with the season, you could not sign a contract and go back and be in the 2021 draft. That's how that works. Like that's we how that lose, works. If you are, if you don't sign your contract, right, so. you go back in the draft pool for the the following year. And then we wouldn't have Jordan Brooks. We wouldn't. Be, we would not have drafted a linebacker anymore. Mm. It's possible. Are you holding out hope for that? No, no. I, <laughs> actually, the more I watched Jordan Brooks college tape, the more I liked him. It was like one of those things where I only watched like one or two games. I didn't take linebacker very seriously when I did my offseason oh, yeah. scouting because we have Bobby Wagner and KJ Wrights, and we drafted Cody Barton last year. Right. I'm like, this is a significant investment of of into this position group. I doubt they'll use another high draft pick on this. So I just watched like one game for each guy. Uh-huh. So the more the more Jordan Brooks I watched, the more I was like, yeah, this guy's pretty good. He really can he really gets after it in multiple ways. Good coverage, good, good att- attacking a line of scrimmage. Um yeah, I like Jordan Brooks. So I'd be sad. But I don't know why I don't know why they haven't just just give give him his contract. I don't know. Darrell Taylor, Damian Lewis, get these guys in here. I expect Damian Lewis to start this year. So that's got to get on that if you can if you can sign freddie swain and colby parkinson what, what's the hold up for the rest of them uh are we like out of cap room or we're not out of cap room no there, there's uh, i don't know we're but, we're saving the cap room for jadevian Clowney, who may or may not have talked to the titans gm this past week titans giants uh browns uh what what, t- what other teams can he be linked to <laughs> well it well if you're saying that he may or may not have talked to them i i think there's uh, 32 teams in the nfl that that would qualify for I'm so tired of uh, the Jadavian Clowney thing. I would love for him to be back, but if he's not, it's just, just make a decision. You know, at this point, no one's not signing you because of the physical. Uh, it's where we've seen about everyone get signed. Yeah. No one, no one has money left. Todd either. Gurley got signed within days of being released for the Rams. And he has this similar kind of knee issue. He has no knees. He has no, his knees right. are it's bone on bone. So, I don't know. Just <laughs> stress, stressful. The soft season has been stressful because all these players keep getting rumored to the Seahawks, but none of them actually come to the Seahawks. And we just kind of have the same roster that we, <laughs> we, we sign all these, like they're all like these medium signings, right? That, what's the biggest name we signed at the soft season? Uh, 35 year old Greg Olson. That would be the biggest. Yeah. Him or Bruce Irvin, I suppose. And, uh, I mean, Greg Olson already signed another contract this offseason. He's planning his li- he's planning his life after Seahawks already uh-huh. signing the the Fox the Fox Sports contract. So I don't know. It's it's a it's been a weird offseason for sure. And um, but, but football's back. Here we go. Let's do it. Let's do it. You know all <laughs> the all the stuff that they're putting in place. It's it will all be worth it once kickoff happens week one and, and we get football this season and we and we don't have to miss anything like the. Uh, fans of the NBA, fans of baseball, we get we get the full season, and that's what I'm rooting for. Uh, minus the the uh, preseason, which apparently some people care about more than us. <laughs> there, there are some people that care about the preseason, uh, and I mean, as soon you know, as and the thing is, is no matter how bad our off season was, as soon as long as we still have Russell Wilson, the team's going to be good. Russell Wilson's so good at football. Yes, he's pretty incredible. So I'm, I, you know, I'm. It's I can be as down about it as I want, but we got Russ, so we'll be good. See if we can get some intra-squad games uh, broadcast, even if it's you know the the first teamers against the second teamers on the Seahawks. Maybe they can work that out. Throw that up at uh, NFL Network. People will watch that. I guarantee it. Oh yeah. And uh, and then we can still have the the Skype interviews between the media members and the players after practices. So 
Uh, I think we're, it's it's going to be a little bit different, but we're we're still going to I think as fans get a lot of this same content that we're we're used to getting in the preseason. Maybe we can have another Zoom meeting where everything seems completely normal, and then we find out later that that player was in some kind of crazy uh, <laughs> gambling thing that night. You know, it's like, uh, I don't like, want any more of those. No, that was. I I remember watching. I was watching the interview, and I was like, "Oh, this guy seems pretty pretty locked in, and he's ready to go." All right, yeah, it's gonna be and qu- everybody wrote their articles about. Oh wow, Quentin Dunbar seems like the greatest dude ever. <laughs> oh man, what, a, what I'm still op- I'm still not unconvinced that I that he had anything to do with it and everything. It's all going to be the giant's fault. And um, yeah, Dunbar probably wasn't even there. And so it's, it's all, it's going to be all good for him. He's going to get through his one year with the Seahawks and, uh, and we won't have to worry about it. He's never even been to Florida except for when he went to Florida. But exactly. other than, other than that, other than that, <laughs> nothing about that story would surprise me at this point. Like th- literally any, I, I feel like every time, Every two weeks, there's just another layer that gets unpeeled from that story. And I'm just like, huh? We need to t- take careful notes because we could potentially turn this into a book one day. Or like a, yeah, like a, like a um, murder podcast, like, like the, you know, like the um, true crime yeah. stuff that everyone's really into, like the, like a six episode Quentin Dunbar, uh, Michael Greco thing. We need that. <laughs> we need I mean, to start working on that. I think that's a great idea, actually. That's, that might be your million dollar idea right there <laughs> where you can finally get your, your cool million. Yeah, uh, maybe uh, I might be able to become a thousandaire off of that idea, but we'll see. <laughs> Nathan Santo of the Seahawks Nest. Always enjoy having you on, Nathan. What, what have you guys been talking about over there on the Seahawks Nest? It's been working on it. We work, we, so every offseason, we, we, in the kind of down part right here, we get work through uh, all eight divisions, talk about how we feel about every team, kind of go over their roster. Uh, we're almost done. We're on our last three. This week is the NFC North. So... I'll be talking about the uh, Packers, Vikings, Bears. Um, you know, we obviously talk about the recent Seahawks news as well. But sure, yeah, and how much I how much I think the Lions suck. You know, so Ooh, you think they're going to be the fourth place team in that division this year? I let me look at my thing. Yep, I do have them in fourth place. I just really don't think that the, they're they're well coached. I think that mm. um, he's doing his best Billichek impression. But uh, that that pencil in the hat isn't fooling anyone. You know, it's it's a uh, Patricia is not Bill Belichick. That 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 is a fact. <laughs> so so uh yeah, not a not a fan. I just really don't like that division in general. I don't think it's like I wish we were playing the North this year for mm-hmm. all four games. I think that would be uh that'd be pretty nice because you you know you get Mitch Trubisky and uh the as long as the Packers are coming to Seattle, then I'd be okay with it. Right. We always get yeah, Packers at home the best the best matchup of all time, and then. Aaron Rodgers is on the way down. So well, we I, do get the Vikings. We do get the Vikings this year. Is it, a, is it, a, is it a, like a Monday night game or anything? I think so. I think it is a Monday night game. Cause that, I don't know if you know, yeah, this, it's under but, the lights and Kirk cousins is not good. So I, I, I feel like when we did our schedule release, that definitely stuck out in my mind. That's actually not true. Kirk cousins is good in, in night games that he just, his team never wins. Mm. <laughs> so, so <laughs> I don't know how I don't know how to square that circle or whatever, but yeah, he's they always lose, but but he plays good. So I don't know. I don't, I don't care how he plays as long as he loses. That's <laughs> yeah, the exactly. Thing. He'll throw for three hundred and fifty yards and they'll lose thirty eight to thirty one or something. Well, be sure and check out the latest episode of the Seahawks Nest. Subscribe to the show if you haven't already, and subscribe to the Field Goals podcast if you're listening to this for the first time. Go to sbnation.com slash NFL podcast. Subscribe to Field Goals there. And stay tuned to the show as we're going to be talking more Seahawks football throughout the preseason. And until next time, go Hawks.